Hi, I'm Dennis Hester, and I'm the pastor here at First Baptist Church Watauga, and we are grateful that you have tuned in to listen to these messages, either through our podcast or on our website. And as you listen to these, our prayer is that you would hear the Lord speak to you from His Holy Word. If you're interested in learning more about the church, you can get on our website at fbcwatauga.org. From there, there's a place where you can plan a visit, you can learn more about our beliefs. You can also request prayer through the prayer request page. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, we'd love to get to know you. The most important thing that I'd communicate to you is as you listen to God's Word, that you find a place to get plugged into a local congregation, whether it's here at First Baptist or another local church where you live. If you'd like information or would like us to help you find a church home, uh, we'd love to talk to you about that. And you can contact us through our Facebook page. So God bless you as you listen to His Word, and may the Lord encourage you in your walk. I don't believe it's an accident. Uh, my sermons are laid out well in advance, and it just so happened that today we're going to be looking at a passage that deals with longevity. I've wrestled with what to call this uh, passage, what to title the sermon. Uh, it, I, I put it up on the slide, never give up, Jesus has already won, which I think is a lot of the, 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 the focus of this passage. I think uh, you could also look at this as how to live the Christian life and make it last, how to endure, how, how to survive life as you walk with Christ, because certainly life has its challenges. When I was a, a young, a young man, in fact, I, uh, from the time up through college, I was a distance runner. In fact, even a few years ago, uh, as your pastor, you'll remember I ran some half marathons, and, and uh, the Lord had gifted me with an ability to endure and to run long distances. One of the most memorable races that I had was when I was a senior in high school. It was at the regional track meet, and it was very important to me because I had uh, I'd, I'd grown up in a time where I, I never could quite get over the hump. I couldn't get out of our district because we had two guys that were the top two guys in the state of Texas in our district, and you had to place first or second to get out of district. So my freshman and sophomore year, I was kind of blocked. I could not get out of district and even make it to regionals. My junior year, I was running times in the two mile under 10 minutes and running around four minutes and 30 seconds in the mile as a junior, and I, that may not mean anything to some of y'all, but it will to others. Uh, a a four-minute, 30-second mile for a high schooler is pretty quick. Uh, and the first three meets, uh, I was doing great. I was ranked in the top three or four in state, and I got mononucleosis. And my spring was wiped out. Talk about a challenge of faith. Uh, boy, I was frustrated with God at that point. By my senior year, that was my last chance. And so I had a great senior year. I get to the regional track meet, and... and when, uh, when your coach goes into the meeting with other coaches, for distance runners, they will draw what lanes you're going to get to start in. Uh, basically, it's like drawing straws. And the very worst lane for me was to start on the inside lane. In the two-mile run, you don't want to be on the inside on a waterfall start, especially in a big race like that, because you can very easily uh, get scarred up, get kicked, get trapped in there. And uh, the best thing to be is out on the outside where you can, you can kind of pick your pace and just kind of fall into line. And part of the reason was the way that I ran my races. I did not race, a two-mile race in, in, uh, on a track is eight laps. I did not race in a way that I wanted to win the first lap. In fact, I could care less if I won at the second lap or if I was in the lead at the end of the fourth lap or fifth lap. That's not what mattered. 
What mattered was that I was in the lead at the end of the eighth lap. That's where it counted. It didn't matter what happened in the, in the early part of the race because the important part was to finish in first. And I knew how fast I could run a two-mile. At that time, I was running about a nine-minute, 30-second, two-mile. And I knew what pace I needed to run that two-mile. And the way that I could get there best was just to divide that nine minutes and 30 seconds by uh, however many laps I had to run and run that pace. So basically, I was set out to run about a 72-second pace. That's all I needed to do. I also knew that there was nobody else in the race that could keep up with me. If I ran my race, if I ran a 70, 70 to 72 second pace, I was going to finish around 9 minutes and 20 seconds to 9 minutes and 40 seconds. The closest runner in all of our region to me and, and my best friend was over 10 minutes, a 10 minute run. So all I had to do was finish my pace. So we made the decision. Steve Snyder and I were good friends. We were running buddies. We had drawn that inside lane. And I told him, I said, when the gun goes off, I'm not running. When the gun goes off, I'm counting 1,001. And once everybody else crashes into one another, then I'm going to start from behind. And so I did that. And uh, we started out dead last. In fact, by the end of the first lap, we were over 100 yards behind the leader. There were people that thought we had lost our minds. There's no way. Those two guys are supposed to be the fastest in the region. What's wrong with them? Why are they 100 yards back? But when I came across the starting line... Finished that first lap, I came across at about 71 seconds. Came across the second lap, about 72 seconds. Came across the third lap, about 71 seconds. Well, all of a sudden, those people that were 100 yards in front of me were coming back to me. By the time I finished the back stretch of the fourth lap, Steve and I were in the lead. We won the race by about 150 yards. They weren't even close. Because the, the, the important thing for us was just simply to run the race with endurance. A two-mile race for high schoolers is not about speed. It's about endurance. Run the race and stay at it. Today we're going to look at a passage in Hebrews chapter 12 that looks back to what we have just read about in Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 was all about men and women of God who finished the race in faith. Some of them finished with great results. Some of them saw God do great things in their lives. Some of them got sawn in two. <laughs> Some of them were tortured for their faith. But all of them finished with a promise that they were winners in the end and that they had put, they had put their faith completely in God to carry them across the finish line. And because of that, they were winners. Read with me Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. The scripture says here, Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, so that you won't grow weary and give up. The goal is not to start fast. The goal is to run the race faithfully, and finish strong. That's 
the kind of Christian that God has called you and I to be. There's a lot of people that start with a flourish. They can say the right words, but they don't finish. There's a lot of guys that I went to college with. Some of them never even made it into the first church that they, they wanted to pastor. There's a lot that made it to their first church that were, have long since been out of the ministry. God's, a life well lived by faith is a life that's going to endure and it's going to finish the race. There's five major points here, five points that are wrapped around this idea of run the race with endurance. There's a couple prerequisites to it. The first one is this, therefore as we have such a large, or since we have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us. Because we have a cloud of witnesses, we should be challenged to run the race with endurance. On behalf of those who have come before us, we can gather encouragement and strength and be challenged to finish the race. You know, it, recently, I say more recently, you know, I'll tell that story from back when I was a kid. Uh, one of, a few years ago, uh, gosh, 10 years ago now, when I was running those half marathons, the most important thing that would encourage me on were the people on the side of the road who were cheering you on. Some of them didn't even know your name. But when, they, when you come up on somebody who was, who was uh, shouting for you, you're doing great, keep going. It gave you an extra burst of energy. But even better was when you came around the curve and you saw somebody that you knew cheering you on. Either Susan was there, or one of the girls was there to cheer me on. That, that cloud of witnesses creates an energy that helps you press forward. You'll hear baseball players and football players talk about the home crowd cheering them on and how that helps carry them to victory. Oftentimes it's that, that crowd of witnesses or that cloud of witnesses that is around cheering us on. We should be encouraged when we read about what God did through Enoch's faith and Abraham's faith. And, and Peter's faith. And when we read the stories of those great men and women of God, it should challenge us and cheer us on. But I believe that it goes beyond that. In fact, I, I would suggest that the primary focus of that text, who are the cloud of witnesses? The immediate context is the most important part. It's all of those people he just talked about in Hebrews chapter 11. But realize, at the end of Hebrews chapter 11, the writer of Hebrews says, and all of those who finished strong and, and found that their faith, that they were saved because they were approved through their faith. Those are our cloud of witnesses. Now, I, some people think, well, maybe my loved ones are up there watching me, cheering me on. I, I don't think that that's the primary focus of this. I think that my loved ones who are in heaven right now have a whole lot more to be concerned about. But I'm not sure. Are they a part of that great cloud of witnesses? Every once in a while, I just wonder if Katie's not saying, come on, Dad, you can finish. Come on, you can do it. The Lord has, there are many that have gone before you who have finished strong. Be challenged by that great cloud of witnesses. Second, leaving behind what seduces us. The writer of Hebrews gives us two things here. He, he, he talks about the sin that so easily ensnares us. That seems to be the most obvious to us. When we get caught up in sin, especially 
ongoing habitual sin, it trips us up and it ensnares us and it prevents us from faithfully finishing the race that God has called us to. You will not be able to finish the race that God's called you to if you don't set aside the sin that, en that ensnares you. It's a huge church right up the road from here that the story was in the paper for years. They got, uh, the pastor who was leading that church, building that church, got caught up in sin. And that sin eventually caused him to lose his ministry and eventually it's caused the church to lose their property and their building and change their name and move further north. It's not because of the 1,800 or 2,000 people that were attending that church, many of them were faithful followers of Jesus Christ. It's because a leader was ensnared by his sin and would not set it behind. Set aside the sin that so easily ensnares you because it won't just destroy you. It'll take down your family. It'll hurt your children. It'll hurt your grandchildren. But not just the sin. A writer of Hebrews here speaks of every hindrance. See, sometimes it's not just sin that trips us up. When I first came here as pastor, there, there's one sport that I enjoyed. I enjoyed playing golf. I still like to play golf. I just don't get to do it very often. I've, I've, I had to set aside golf. Golf, one of the things about golf is it's relaxing. It can get you outside, but you spend half a day at least playing golf. And pastors can very easily get ensnared by things that consume so much of our time that we're not faithfully fulfilling what God has called us to do. And sometimes those things change. There's nothing wrong with, with playing golf. I don't think that, 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 that it's a sin to go hunting. <laughs> I don't think it's, it's against, the, the, uh, against God's word to go bowling like our men are going to be doing together on, on, on a, in a couple weeks. Those, those activities aren't sin. God, God gives us things for recreation to relax us and enjoy us. But when we get so caught up in them that we are, we are wrapped up in those things and we're not obediently doing what God has called us to do, it's a hindrance to the race. There comes a time when you have to set aside even good things that are hindering you from doing what God's called you to do. His best things. Lay aside every hindrance and every sin. Run the race with endurance. The race that lies before us. Here's a tough one for some of us. Because some of us want to run the other person's race. Some of us look and see how God has blessed our neighbor or our friend or how God has blessed somebody else that's in my, as a pastor, God's blessed this other pastor this way. Why does he get that? And I don't get that. Why, why, why does the family down the road, and they're not even following the Lord, why do they get blessed that way? And I don't get blessed that way. And why, why can't I have a bigger church? Why can't I have a church in the country? Whatever it happens to be. The problem is when we get focused on somebody else's race, we can't run our race. 
God hasn't called you to run my race. God's called you to run the, the, the course. He set the course before you that he's called you to run. You need to be faithful to run the race that he's called you to. If God has planted you in a particular place, be faithful to serve him in that place until God moves you. Far too many people go to a new job looking for how it's going to get them to the next job. Instead of being faithful to do what God's called them to do where they've been planted. Run the course that is set before you. It does no good if you try to run somebody else's race. One of my favorite pictures of this from Scripture is from John chapter 21. If you want to turn there, you can. Many of you will know the story. It's toward the end of John chapter 21. Jesus was having a conversation with the apostle Peter. And uh, he'd gone back and forth with Peter because Peter, if you remember, had denied Christ three times. And so Jesus gave Peter the opportunity to express his love for Christ three times, okay? And so, you know, Jesus would ask him, Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And so feed my sheep. Well, Peter gets a little testy toward the end of it. It's like, you know I love you, Lord. Stop it. And then I think he realized something. Jesus gave him three opportunities to express his love the same number of times that Jesus had denied Christ just a few days earlier. Jesus was in the process of restoring Peter. At the end of that time of restoration, Jesus looks at Peter and says, Peter, you follow me. In verse 19, after saying this, he said to him, follow me. I love what Peter says. Peter turned around and he saw John. The, the, John is the disciple whom Jesus loved. That's how John describes himself. He turns around and he sees John following after them. And, and John, the one who had leaned back against Jesus at, at supper and asked, Lord, who is the one that's going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about him? Jesus had, had just worked with Peter. He'd just done everything he could to restore Peter. Jesus tells Peter, all right, Peter, follow me. Let's go. They start walking. Peter turns around. He sees John back there, and he says, but what about him? You know what Jesus' response was? You don't worry about him. You follow me. Far too many of us are spending too much of our time looking around at everybody else what some, somebody else's blessings or somebody else's struggles or somebody else's shortcomings. I, I, let me be honest with you. I think that a whole lot of times we look at somebody else's blessing thinking it's a blessing and wish we were there. And they're looking at us going, man, I wish you were, were. I wish I was there. How many times do you get that promotion and they go, man, this has got a whole lot more headaches than I thought. I know my brother struggled with that in the, in the police force. The more the more authority he had, the more responsibility he had, and the more headaches that come with it. Oftentimes, we're looking at somebody else's race thinking that's where we want to be, and the Lord's telling us, no, you don't. You really don't want to be over there. <laughs> or maybe he's just telling us, you're not ready for that yet. It's not your time. When your time comes, you'll be in a position like that. What we need to be faithful to is be faithful to run the race that God has set before us. Stay the course. Don't try to run somebody else's race. Don't try to live somebody else's life. Fourth, <clears throat> and this is the most important of all of the points, stay focused on 
Jesus. Stay focused on him. Boy, this sure helps with that comparison thing that we just talked about. Doesn't it? Well, Jesus, you know, I've been a better person than him. And look at the blessings he's got. You want to start comparing yourself to what happened to Jesus for being a good person? How many of you here could say, well, I'm a better person than Jesus. I've sinned less than him. I don't think anybody wants to get into that discussion with Jesus, do you? Keep your focus on Jesus and it'll keep you grounded. It'll keep you reminded, right? It'll help you stay centered. Stay focused on him and you'll keep moving the right direction. Because the, what happens is Satan will do everything he can to distract us. He'll distract us with, with wanting us to run another course. He'll distract us with our sins. He'll distract us with our, 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 our recreation. Satan will do everything he can to distract us. And the best thing we can do to not get distracted is focus on Jesus. Remembering, and I love the way the writer of Hebrews puts this for us, keep your eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of your faith. Jesus is the only source you have for eternal life. He's it. He's your hope. Without Jesus, you don't have forgiveness of sin. Without Jesus, you don't have hope of a future. Without Jesus, you don't have anything. He is the source of eternal life. He is our, the source of our faith, but he is also the perfecter of our faith. If I'm going to become the man that I need to be to serve God, it's going to be when I keep my focus on Jesus because he is the perfecter of my faith. It's in a relationship with him that I grow and that I mature and that I develop. See, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, they're not something that I can work up on my own. They're something that the Holy Spirit, the presence of the Lord in my life will produce when I walk in a relationship with him. He is the perfecter of my faith. So keep my eyes on Jesus, and he is also our example. How did he approach the tough things in life? Look at, look at verse 2. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. What was the joy that was laid out before Christ? It can't be the beating he was about to take from the Roman soldier when he was going to be tied to the whipping post. It can't be the crown of thorns that was going to be driven into his head. In fact, if you go back and you look at Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, he wasn't looking forward to those things, by the way. He wasn't real excited about it. He cried out to his heavenly Father, if there's any other way, take this cup from me. So what was the joy that was before him? Jesus knew what was on the other side of suffering. He knew what was on the other side of that grave. He knew that there was going to be a time when he entered back into his father's presence and he sat down at the right hand of the father and the father was going to look at him and say, well done, son, well done. You finished the race. You accomplished it all. It is finished. As Jesus spoke from the cross. Even when I was running those long distance runs, one of the greatest, though most painful times as I was throwing up just past the finish line was knowing that I'd finished the race and I'd given it everything. I'd stayed on course. 
I had run hard, I'd run well, and I'd finished the race, and I'd given it all I could. Yes, he endured the cross, despised the shame for the joy that lay ahead. There's going to be tough, tough things that you face in life, and you're not going to like some of them. You're not going to like some of them. My theory that one of the reasons a lot of pastors don't make it past five or six years is because when things start getting tough, they think it's easier to go find another course to run. Because things are going to get tough. And you either bail out or you stay where God's called you. And you stay obedient and let him work out those details. It may be a lot harder to stay, but there's a whole lot more, it's a lot more rewarding to finish the race. Jesus endured the cross, despising the shame. I, I can't get past this passage without just taking a moment to share the gospel. Jesus did this for me. Not just so that he could get past it and get to the throne. He did it for me. He loved me so much that he didn't want to stay seated at the right hand of his father's throne without me having a chance to join him there. See, if, if he didn't love me that much, we talked about this in our growth group this morning. If Jesus didn't love me that much, if God didn't love me so much to send his son while I was a sinner to die on a cross for me, if he didn't love me that much, he could have wiped me out and built a new one. He made this world from scratch. He can make another one if he wants to, right? That's why David in the Psalms said, when he looked at the greatness of God and the glory of God and all of God's creation, and he looked at himself and he said, why did you... Why, why do you even care about me? Who is man that you even care about me? What Jesus despised, <laughs> the shame. And the reason that he endured the cross was because the joy set before him was that some of us were going to join him for eternity. His joy is found in those whom he rescued, whom he saved. Why was the whole purpose that Jesus came, he said, was to seek sinners, to seek and to save sinners just like us. We must stay focused on Jesus if we're going to finish the race with faithfulness. And then finally, look at verse 3, and this still harkens back to verse 2, focusing on Jesus. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself so that you won't grow weary and give up. The race may get long, and you may get tired. Have you ever said out loud or said to yourself, I just want to give up on life? I just want to run away and escape this mess. I just want to quit this job. I just want to leave this church. But the spirit of the living God inside of you is saying, that's not what I've called you to do. Don't quit. Consider him who endured such hostility. This, I believe, is speaking about Jesus 
who endured such hostility from sinners. But I also believe this points back to those other guys that we saw in Hebrews chapter 11. Those guys who were beaten for their faith. Those guys who were tortured for their faith. Those guys who were made fun of and ridiculed for their faith. Those, that great cloud of witnesses that's out there saying, I finished the race, you can too. Consider those who, who suffered those hostilities so that you don't grow weary. Dr. Tom Eliff was a, a longtime pastor. He still, he still serves in the Southern Baptist Convention. He, was, he served the International Mission Board for a period of time. He preached a sermon on this text, and he summarized that verse with these words. In fact, his, his point here was without complaining, the complaining that sidelines us. So I think when, when we look at, the, when we're going through hard times, when we're facing difficulty, we start griping and complaining and, and moaning, and, and, and we get so caught up in our little pity party that we are not running the race well. And so if we'll stop and we'll consider what others are facing, what Jesus went through, what some of the prophets faced, and we remember what they face. Heard a story several years ago. It, periodically, I see things that, that come from the voice of the martyrs, and, and, and we don't know what it means to face persecution for our faith. I read a story about a pastor in the Philippines that has been persecuted for his faith by, by radicals. And they had, they had come in and, and uh, had done all kinds of things to disrupt and disturb the church. At one point, they came in and they, they took his 12-year-old daughter captive and threatened to do all kinds of horrible things to her. And he had already been tortured many times for his fate. And I remember him telling the story about how his, his daughter told him, Daddy, don't deny Jesus. No matter what they do to me, don't deny Jesus. He suffered greatly for his faith. There are Christians right now, especially in Africa, it's a hotbed of Christian persecution, who will die today for their faith. And we gripe when we don't get things our way, we complain when we have a rough time. I was, I was upset yesterday because my internet wasn't working. And my dog ate my favorite baseball cap. <laughs> Made me mad. I was having a bad day. Consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself so that you won't grow weary and give up. You know what that tells me? Shut up, stop complaining, focus your attention on Jesus, and do what he's called you to do. Run the race that he has set before you faithfully. If you have not begun that journey with Christ yet, if you have never said, Lord, I want to trust you with my eternal life, I want to give you a chance to, to begin that race today to begin that journey today. You can come talk to me about it, but we have some, some folks that want to sit down with you and explain to you what it means to, to follow Christ with all of your heart and all of your life.
If you've never followed him in baptism, maybe you're an adult and you say, you know, Pastor, a long time ago, I prayed that, that, that Jesus would be my Savior. I want to follow him, but I've been stymied in my faith, but I've never been baptized. You need to be baptized. Come talk to us about it. It may very well be that, that God's just called you to this church family. You see what God's doing here. You're excited about what God's going to do through this church, through Compassion International, and you want to be a part of it. God's called you to join this church. We had a, a, a guy come last week that, that joined our fellowship. And maybe if you're, if you're already a born-again believer, maybe you're new to the community and you want to learn more about what it means to be a part of this church, we're going to give you an opportunity to do that. But we're going to, our focus is not about how you start. Our focus is going to be how do we finish? How do we run the race faithfully? I've often said, I never feel like God called me to be a flashy pastor. <laughs> Thank the Lord, because I am not. I just want to be faithful. I want to be faithful and live a life of integrity, proclaiming the word of God, and let him take care of the details. If God's calling you to maybe, maybe you'd have to say, Pastor, there's a sin that has ensnared me. I need to, you just need to bring it to the altar and you need to ask God to give you the strength to overcome that sin in your life so that you can run that race freely. You know, when I was, when I was running those long distance runs, I wasn't running them in, in cowboy boots and blue jeans, a long sleeve shirt and a jacket. It might be 35 degrees out there and I had those little runner shorts on that most people don't want to see their pastor in, you know, in one of those little lightweight shirts. Because you don't, you get rid of all the things that entangle you and snare you if you're going to run the race with endurance. You may have sin in your life, or God may have convicted you today about maybe it's not a sin, but it's something else that's kept you from His work. And you need to lay that down on the altar. We're going to have a time of response, and it's for you. It's for you to respond to what the Lord's calling you to do. He's calling you to come pray, you come pray. If he's calling you to come pray with Kevin or I, if he's calling you to come and make a decision to, to, to follow him or to join the church, I'm gonna ask that you just simply respond to the prodding of the Holy Spirit as he calls you to run your race. Would you stand with me? Matthew's gonna come and lead us in a, in a hymn of response and give you an opportunity while he's playing to come forward. If God is not calling you to make any new commitment or he's not calling you forward, I'm just going to encourage you to pray and worship where you are. Let this be a, a, a renewed commitment for you as God speaks to you. Father, we thank you for your love for us. And we thank you for the example that you gave us in Jesus of how to finish well, even when times are hard and even when we don't want to. Father, you've given us a great example. You've given us a cloud of witnesses. You've given us direction. Lord, empower us to be faithful, to run the race with endurance where you've called us to go. We pray in Jesus' name. You come as God calls.